0: The best journey in life is the journey of life. Exploring the journey of life from various perspectives and experiences can add a different meaning to a journey. Core Peeler Studio brings you these different perspectives through various monologues, conversations and interviews. Explore and peel the layers to reach to your core on this journey with Core Peeler Studio. Religion plays an important part in our lives. Something which is bestowed upon us the moment we come into this world. How important is religion in our journey of life? What it brings to our lives and what it takes away? Me and Don welcome Faye Milton, author of a book Metamorphoses of Mariposa. This book is based on the real life of Faye. Her early years when she joined the cult at the age of 16 years and left the cult after being into it for almost about 40 years. With cult, also she had to leave her family and children behind who are still in the cult. In today's discussion, me and Dawn would like to understand from Faye about her experiences in the cult. Why did she join it and why did she leave it? Hi Faye, welcome to the Pillar studio.
1: Hi, E.C. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Great. Hi, Dawn.
2: Good morning.
0: Very, very good morning. It would be great to uh, to know and share, you know, about your experiences here, Faye. Uh, we are really privileged to have you on our show today. Uh, would you mind sharing a little brief about yourself before, uh, you know, we get into a lovely discussion with you?
1: Okay, um, in thinking about it, I was raised in a very liberal family that my parents didn't go to church um but i I did as a child. I went to church by myself from a from about the age of ten, just a regular Protestant church. And um, I became involved with that church in a group called um, CGIT, which is Canadian Girls in Training. And it had a really big effect on me. the The, um, th- the purpose of that uh, group of girls was to in fact, we said this every time we met together. It was as a Canadian girl in training under the leadership of God. It is our purpose to cherish health, seek truth, know God, and serve others. And thus, with his help, become the girl God would have us be. So, seeking truth and, and knowing God was important to me all my life, since I was a little kid. And um, that is probably why, uh, when I was, you know, influenced by someone in a cult um and it rang as truth to me i embraced it and uh you know that's that was part of my journey i guess to to be involved in this because it seemed like it was more close to truth than what i had been raised believing i don't know does that great answer your great question, yes
0: great great in fact okay. seeking truth and knowing god uh uh, is something that we all endeavor on this journey and we all want to know about. Uh, right. We'd love to know more about, you know, as you as we go deeper into our discussions and we'll, we'd we love to know more about what were your experiences while you were in cult? What made you join the cult? And uh, Dawn, uh, I'm sure you will have some lovely uh, questions for Faye to move on.
2: Uh, Yeah, you know, Faye and I, uh, I mean, it's interesting that she, uh, you know, talked about how important truth has always been for her because that's the same for me. Uh, About 20 years ago, I was at a party and someone just turned to me out of the blue and said, Don, what's your passion? And I immediately, without thinking, to know the truth. So, uh, you know, that's really the basis Faye and I met six years ago. Uh, very, in a very strange way at a bridge club in Birmingham. And we knew each other for two years before we got married in January of 2017. So for us, the basis of our marriage is to know the truth and to support each other in personal spiritual growth. So uh, I guess, Faye, I mean, I, I know you very well. But since the listeners do not, uh, I'll ask some questions that will sort of maybe reveal your story a little bit. So at the age of 10, uh, you joined a Protestant church and you were involved in that for several years and talk about, and actually the cult that we're talking about is Jehovah Witness. And as we go through the discussion, uh, you know, I'll ask Faith to at some point to Describe her her definition of a cult, some of the characteristics that uh, are in a cult environment. So, Faye, if you would, uh, you had been in this other <clears throat> religion for several years. Talk about what motivated you to join the Jehovah Witness uh, group, church, cult, whatever you want to call it, and your experiences over the the 40 years you were in it. You know, what you did, what you liked, questions you had. Just sort of talk about that, uh, if you would.
1: Okay, um, I I actually had a, a young girl in my class who was a Jehovah's Witness, and we became friends, and um, she witnessed to me many times. And I remember at one point, I was willing to have a a bible study with her and so she came to my parents because i was a you know a kid and my parents said no she she can't study with you right now she's too young when she's a teenager you know and and knows her own mind then she can start studying with you but right now no and so as it turns out, her she left the little town. It was a, a little town of about 500 people. She moved away. And about the same time, my parents divorced. And so my mother and my youngest brother and I moved away to a, a city about 25 miles away from where I'd grown up. So it was... Um, It was kind of a devastating thing. I left my brothers behind and my father at the time. And um, I was in a city. I wasn't sleeping. I was very stressed out. (laughs) I was always getting lost trying to find my way to class. And as it turned out, this girl that I had grown up with, who was a Jehovah's Witness, ended up in that city too, in that school. So there, that began uh, a Bible study with her. Uh, She studied the Bible with me about three times a week. And um, I I started attending the Kingdom Hall right away. And so I was love-bombed, which they do do when somebody new comes to the Kingdom Hall. And I... I was seeking truth. I was I was wanting to know God. I wanted a personal relationship with God, or my my idea of God, and so I was getting drawn in more and more. I was loving the people I was with because I, I needed family and, and love, and it, it was just very enticing to me. So within six months of of that Bible study, I became a baptized Jehovah's Witness. uh, Let me ask
2: you to explain a little bit. When you say love bombed, what exactly is that for people that might not understand that term?
1: Well, it's, it's just getting lots of attention. People saying, you know, how courageous you are for doing this on your own. And, you know, there's so many elements that, that, you know, strike the, or stroke the ego. And that's really what it was. It was an ego stroker. And, uh, you know, they wanted to have you over for dinner. And so it was a a whole, a whole, actually, an, an older couple too, were put in responsible, put, I was put in their responsibility. So they would come and if I didn't come to meetings, they would call me and say, "You know, why weren't you at the meeting? We sure missed you so it was a an indoctrination process, and it was this um, feeling like your family it was a It was a loving family kind of extension that that they gave to me
2: so at that time, you were in a real vulnerable position. Do you think that?" Yes. Do you think that being vulnerable is sort of a key element for uh, people that get into cults?
1: Absolutely, I do. Okay. I, I believe that. Because that's what we were looking for, too, as I, I became uh, a regular evangelizer. That's what we were looking for, as vulnerable people who needed hope and who needed something to anchor their lives on.
2: Okay so one you think one key element of people that are, that are uh good candidates for cult is that they have to be maybe somewhat vulnerable or needy or yes. uh looking for something is that would you say that would be a a key element
1: Yes I would say that is
2: And when you were uh so when you were uh in the uh the JW organization talk about uh you know your training and how much time you spent with the uh organization and and what happened i mean when you got in were you kind of restricted was your whole social circle within that cult or talk a little bit about your relationships as a result of being in there
1: well for one thing there was three meetings a week so uh, we met together Sunday, Tuesday, Friday. So there's preparing for all these meetings. Then I had a my own Bible study as well. So I was in that instruction mode four times a week. And then on my own, I would do my own personal study. I would do my Bible reading. Everything revolved around it they kept you so busy doing all the things that you're supposed to do and and they they emphasize that those people who weren't Jehovah's Witnesses were going to be destroyed by God at some point so you are already starting to um, disengage from people who who you know and love because you know that they're going to be destroyed by god
2: (laughs) so you were basically encouraged actively encouraged to disassociate from people that were not in not in the jw group
1: right so it's an isolation strategy they they isolate you from everybody else
2: and would you say that that might be another trait of cults in general is that they want to that they that they tell you that they have the only truth and that you don't need to contaminate yourself by being around people that don't believe that?
1: Yes, I I believe that that is one of the outstanding uh, symptoms of a cult, yes.
2: And I know you were in when you were 16, and I believe you you got married when you you were 18 or 19?
1: I was. I was 18.
2: And talk about how that happened, how you came to be married at a relatively young age and, uh, you know, your husband at the time, how y'all connected and, you know, why you got married at that age.
1: Well, um, I met him at, I was 17 when I met him. I was still in high school. And um, well, the, the thing with Jehovah's Witnesses is that sex outside marriage is prohibited, of course, with, with a penalty of you will be removed from the organization if you were to participate in sex outside of marriage. So it encourages people who are ready for marriage to get married right away. Don't wait, because you don't want to commit fornication or or get into some kind of situation that you're going to regret. So meeting him at that age, um, and, you know, I mean, you, you don't know when you're in love at 17 years old. But uh, I guess we thought we were both in love with each other. And so...
2: And my guess is, I mean, I grew up in a Catholic religion and they had the same prohibition about sex outside of marriage. So I would think, of course, when you're a teenager, you know, your hormones are, you know, ramping up pretty good and you're wanting to have sex. And if you've got this religious restriction that you believe, then, you know, you may we may fool ourselves into thinking we're in love when really we want sex. We want we want legitimate sex you know, by our religion,
1: right? Exactly. So you got so married. I, I'm, i yeah,
2: sorry. Yeah. No, I was going to say. So you got married at the age of eighteen, and then talk right. about talk about the how, at that time, and maybe even now, what their uh, Jehovah Witness uh, uh, perception was about having children.
1: Right. Well, in seventy four is when I got baptized. And they had the understanding that the world was going to end in 1975. So I remember asking one of the elders, I said, so so if the, the world ended today and I wasn't baptized, are you saying that I wouldn't survive Armageddon? And they said, yeah, that's right. So there was a big push to get baptized, too, to become one of them. And um, 75 came and went. And... You know, nothing had happened. So I I met Kevin, my first husband, in 75, and we got married in 76. So um, the reason why they didn't encourage children is because the end was just right there. We were right at the end of, of this system of things. And why would you want to have little children when... Armageddon is coming and they're going to be persecuting us because we're the only true religion and they might hurt your children and try and make you uh, deviate from your faith by using your children. That was the line of, of thought. It was all to prevent you from losing your faith and, and compromising your faith.
2: Okay, so they actively discourage you from having children, but yes. you ended up have you ended up having three so how did that how did you feel about that
1: <laughs> well, I mean it was an accident that we it happened so and with the first one i I was constantly anxious because I truly believed that the end was very very close but at the same time, we're taught that children are a blessing from Jehovah or from God. So I, I took my responsibility as a parent very seriously. And it seemed like, you know, I just, as soon as I had the one child, the, the second one I was pregnant with. And then a couple of years later, I was pregnant a third time. So I, it just, it's just the way circumstances went. So you basically
2: had, you basically had three children before you figured out what was causing it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) So, so, so so as
2: you had your children, did you get, did you get chastised? How how did other people in the congregation react to you having these children? It
1: It was always, they always looked down upon you. And I remember a, a circuit overseer who is a traveling minister who is, you know, esteemed by everybody. He said to to Kevin, he said, do you think this is the time to be having children? And, you know, what, what could he say? My mother-in-law, when I told her that, she said, well, what you could say to him, what do you recommend? Abortion? Which is, is against our religion as well. So, I mean, it's just, It's just the way things happen. I mean, we took precautions, but sometimes you're very fertile or something. I don't know what it is, but anyway, I I had those. So was there any
2: point, was there any point saying the first five or 10 years of being in the religion, uh, did you start having any doubts or questions at some point about some of these rules?
1: You know what, at the first five years I was so naive I was you know I was a young kid really and being in that in the cult makes you even more naive I think and you just think okay this is the true religion so there may be some things that are uncomfortable but you just follow them you just do it and it's it's not you know what other people think it's Your relationship with God and that's what I always encouraged with my kids too you don't worry about what other people say or do you just worry about your relationship with God and you do the right thing and you you're true to yourself and you're true to God and and don't worry about anything else so no I wouldn't say that I did have doubts the first five years it's more as the kids grew up and and you know, there was things that are restricted for kids. They're not supposed to be in, involved in any extracurric- extracurricular things. They're not supposed to be in school government. They're not supposed to be in sports. They're not supposed to be involved in anything that involves worldly people, people that aren't of the same religion. Which I didn't agree with because I was raised differently, and I believe that kids need to find where they excel and some kids excel in sports which my kids did some kids excel in music which a couple of mine did as well so i felt it was important to direct them in those areas because you want them to stay out of trouble and that's that's a good way to keep them engaged and and busy in something productive
2: so in other words there were some of the Uh, and I think this is true in any, any religions or cults is that people question some of the rules, but they like the organization enough to stay with it. So they just kind of bend the rules on their own. So is that kind of what you did as your kids were getting older, you just kind of ignored some of the, some of the uh, rules that they had?
1: Yeah, I guess that's true. Yes, I guess that's true. I guess I, in some Areas I felt I knew better than God what to do and what not to do. Well, you
2: know, the perception of God. In other words, at that point, you thought and talk a little bit about the structure of the Jehovah Witness Church as far as the uh, the authority structure, how that goes and what your place in that structure was as a woman.
1: Okay. well, there is um, at this point in time, there's eight governing body members in New York that are like the Pope in the Catholic church. That's, that would be the, the hierarchy there. So they, they are the ones that, that dispense the food, the spiritual food at the proper time. And can a woman,
2: can, can a woman be in that group?
1: No, absolutely not. Okay. So it's, um, they were called the faithful and discreet slave as as talked about in Matthew so then under the under the uh, governing body is the district overseers who travel as well throughout all the congregations in in their respective countries and you've got the circuit overseers who all are I right,
2: wait a on on the district can can a woman be in that no a so woman can't strict... be
1: anything okay a woman can't in, can't
2: be in any any position of authority
1: no absolutely oh. not okay. so then circuit overseer and then elders and the elders are like the 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 preachers in the congregation they have the qualifications st- as stated in um, thessalonians and titus that they are qualified to teach others and then under them is the husbands in every family. And the husband is the head of the house and the wife is the lowest denominator in the, in the structure.
2: So how did you so, feel? I mean, I know the kind of woman that you are and that you know how to run things and get stuff done. As a woman in that type of situation where you had no power within the organization but you were expected to do a lot of work. How did you feel about that?
1: Well, you know, I I was indoctrinated to believe that it was a a um, noble, noble position. That, that God had a place for everybody. They used the example of a pilot and a co-pilot. You know, the pilot is running the ship and the co-pilot can make suggestions and and give advice but in the end the pilot is the one that makes the decisions and so, so you I, just I felt fully, it was
2: you fully accepted that and didn't have any resentment about it
1: i don't think i at certain points i didn't no yeah. i don't think i did because i felt it was an arrangement of god
2: all right at what point so you got three kids you're doing all this work in the church in addition to taking care of a family and working outside the home. At what point did you have like some serious questions about whether this was the right thing to be in or not?
1: Well, looking back, I know there was times raising the boys that I, I felt, I felt that they were missing out on things um, and I did allow them to do things, and even despite Kevin's protest, I said, I don't care what you say, <laughs> so I was, I was usurping, I guess, the arrangement, but I said, these kids need to f- feel that they have a worthiness, they, they need self-esteem, they they excel in these areas, they need to, like, Jared was in piano lessons from an early age, and 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 chris was was very athletic jared was in the swim on the swim team and jeff too was was athletic as far as basketball and so on hockey they all loved hockey they would go right after school to the hockey rink and play hockey cuz they loved to do that
2: here's what i'm looking for i i'm looking for an age as close an as age. you can get it and okay. how old were you when you thought really, this is not right, and I don't yeah. need to be in it when you had that thought
1: I think in my thirties because my husband and I were having marital problems as well, and i was I was not respecting you know i I felt he was a hypocrite I felt he showed one face to the congregation and and behind closed doors he who was another way, so probably in my thirties when i we were having marital problems
2: all right so so sometime in your 30s you'd been in it at that time for almost maybe 20 years you had three right. kids you, your whole social structure was within that organization and you 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 thought i don't need to be what <clears throat> so it was 20 years you were you were in another 20 years before you finally got out so what yeah. kept you in what kept you in for that last 20 years?
1: I guess it was a belief that it was was the truth and that, um, you know, despite the, you know, the organization was imperfect, but God was perfect. So I had to to face these challenges without losing faith and just Rely on my relationship with with God, and not worry right, about the external.
2: Okay, let's fast forward uh, to the point where you and I met, which was okay. January the eighth, two thousand and fifteen, at a bridge club. Right. So, so at that point, uh, you know, where were you? Where were you at that point? As far as the religion goes, how were you feeling and how were you dealing with it at that like uh, almost six years ago?
1: Well, I had been house sitting in in um, in Austin, Texas, and I went wherever I went. I was house sitting all over America for the winter months. But wherever I went, I would find the congregation. I'd go to the website, find the nearest congregation, go and attend Go out in the ministry with that congregation. So I happened to be in Austin, and I was out in the ministry with with someone, and someone at the door asked, posed a question to me, something I'd never heard before, and it just kind of floored me. He he mentioned the date, which was six oh seven B.C.E., which Jehovah's Witnesses believe is is the the destruction of Jerusalem. And he said to me, he said, do you know that you're the only people on the planet that believe Jerusalem was destroyed in 607 BCE? And and this guy could have been an ex-Jehovah's Witness. I don't know. But anyway, that's the the statement he made. And I just, I didn't really know what to say to him. So when I went home, I went on the internet. I Googled what year was was, uh, Jerusalem destroyed. And it came up with 586, 87. And I I just couldn't believe it. So I started doing some research. And I found a book written by a Jehovah's Witness, an ex-Jehovah's Witness at that point, called um, The Gentile Times Revisited. And I read that book. And it brought out so much stuff. I was just overwhelmed. But I knew that that date that they had given us which is a very key date in bible chronology in the time of the end in everything that we believe everything it's an anchor for our beliefs i knew that that date was a lie and it wasn't true and so as i i came to birmingham i did attend the congregation here too but i i thought what am i going to do am i going to just compartmentalize this this knowledge and just continue on. I didn't know what to do, but I was having a hard time sleeping. I was having a hard time coping with things because I had, you know, the knowledge was there now about something that wasn't true. And it was opening up my heart to see that perhaps I didn't believe. The way I really thought I believed or, or I was believing lies so my pursuit of truth was in vain this was not the true religion and okay. so that's when I met you
2: okay so now let's back up just a little bit you talked about the house sitting so you actually got divorced when 2012 2013 yeah I think it was so you, so, okay so you had gotten divorced say 2012 and right. you had been traveling all over the country, house-sitting in, in, in Europe for uh, basically three years before we met. And, right. and, and actually, so right before we met, you had this experience in Austin, which sort of blew up your world. And there was all right. these things that you, you had been repressing and ignoring for many years. All of a sudden, you couldn't ignore it anymore. You knew that you were living a lie. But, and being a person who sincerely seeks truth and knowing you're living a lie, that's got to create a tremendous amount of stress and difficulty, which, which I think you said was manifested in your body.
1: Absolutely, yes.
2: Okay. So we play bridge, and then I'm very, I've never heard of anybody house sitting all over the country. And I was very interested in knowing more about the business, so I invited you to come over for lunch. So talk right. about what happened as a result of that lunch experience, and then we'll, you know, move into your uh, healing process over the last, last five or six years.
1: Okay, so um, at the table as we were eating, um, you you asked me about what I was doing and how this came to be, and... And I asked you what you were doing. And, and you said that you were an emotional freedom coach. And that seemed to me, because I had been praying for some kind of answer. I, I wanted some kind of answer to what to do and how to deal with things. And when you said you're an emotional freedom coach, it it put me at ease. And I thought, you know, this is, this is a good thing. And then when we came into the living room here and... Um, We were sitting here and you said, well, we're here by divine appointment. That that did it for me. I thought, "Okay, I can just tell exactly how I feel. And that's what I did. I told you exactly what I was going through. And I had no I I didn't hold back because I I felt that I I was safe here. I was safe with you.
2: Okay, and so what happened? Well you, told, you you told you told me everything and yeah. then what happened
1: Well you said well you are a what did you say you are a, well you asked a liar you, and a hypocrite Yeah <laughs> and you know but what? You that me. totally resonated with me I yeah. I felt that that was the truth so those words were true and you knew that if I confessed to my kids that I would lose all my my kids and I just had a a grandson born just in October of, of the previous year and so y- you understood but you you said you t- told it the way it was and I
2: because you because you asked me in other words we didn't at that point we didn't think we'd ever see each other again
1: right and we, yeah.
2: we were just two people having a conversation right and and, and after you Told me everything. I didn't know much about Jehovah Witness. You, you asked me. You said, "What do you think?" And that's when I said, "You're a hypocrite and a liar," and right. that 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 was what you had been telling yourself. So now, right. at that point, on January the eighth, two thousand fifteen, you knew one hundred percent sure that you had to get out for, for yeah, your for I your think. own for your own sake. You knew
1: right. you
2: knew that you had to get out, and you knew what the consequences were.
1: Right.
2: So, before we, I want to ask AC if he has any questions or comments before we get into the next part about your healing journey.
0: Uh, definitely, you know, uh, the journey that Faye has traveled thus far is is, is commendable. It requires a lot of uh, bravery and the brave act that she has done. Not only that bravery, uh, Dawn, I feel that, the kind of sacrifices she has made on the on the journey is also very commendable. Uh, being 40 years into that cult, uh, of course, to live that life for 40 years, uh, there were definitely these issues and there were some trigger points which came, uh, which Faye mentioned, you know, which came to her time and again. My question to you, Faye, would be that during this 40 years of journey, there has been a lot of influence on your thought process and your own personality of this cult mm-hmm. so uh would there be some good things also which made you really carry on for those 40 years uh, i know you were in, search, in in the constant search of seeking truth and knowing god that would have been one of the bait in front of you but but apart from that were there some good things also which you think uh, are part of your personality today and uh, they're very much in you today also and they play a very important part in building up some uh, uh, some you know the way you are and building up some good traits in you
1: yeah I, I definitely agree with that because you're always going against the current when you're in this cult you know you don't you don't celebrate christmas you don't celebrate easter you don't celebrate birthdays there's so many things you don't do you can't do it's it's required if you do do them you're disfellowshipped so going against the the curve or the current is is always is a good thing because it it builds your your resolve and fortitude and and it builds good qualities in you you know it's it's the struggle it's the always pain always produces i think something good and, and we raised our children the same way. They had to stand up for themselves and say, I believe this, so I'm not going to do this. And so that's, that's not a bad thing. We were, we were raised on Bible principles. So uh, the basic principles of the Bible of love and goodness and, and so on is, is how genuine people try and live. If you're genuinely believing in these, this religion, then that's how you're gonna, you know, live your life, and so I agree. Yeah. So no, I, I there was many good things, and I I'm grateful that my children were taught to to be hard workers, and to be principled people, to be honest, uh, not to lie, not to steal, not to cheat. So those are all good things that they were taught and they are responsible people. They have uh, good jobs, uh, good families, you know, they're, it's been a good thing for them.
0: Yeah. And you know, in this journey and the sacrifice that you have made, one of the biggest sacrifices for a mother is to leave her children. And of course, children also losing their mother. I know, uh, moving on to the little emotional side of this discussion, uh, the biggest loss that probably you suffered during this uh, decision of yours and this very brave decision of yours, let me put it that way, was uh, cutting off from your children. Uh, how? What impact did it have on you and uh, how did you cope up with it?
1: Yeah. Early on, it was a constant... Um, uh, reason for sadness in me but you know as you as you progress spiritually and you understand consciousness and that we're all part of the the same consciousness so you're you're never really apart from them and and i i believe that you know eventually they will see the truth or eventually we'll be reunited in a different level of consciousness or a different dimension of consciousness so it's not so stinging anymore you know i i sometimes feel sad when i hear about things my mother is is not a jehovah's witness and she lives in the same city as them so i hear things about my grandsons and and how cute they are and how you know beautifully they are growing up and And it makes me a little sad because I'd love to be a part of that. And it would be such a, you know, a wonderful thing to see them grow. But you know what the reality is? I don't have that. So I just have to, as I progressed spiritually and as I uh, implemented tools that many of the tools that Dawn had given me, tapping and meditating and journaling and so on and and the book that i created were were blogs and i had committed when i first left the religion i committed to writing a blog a week so i'm grateful that i did that because it it did put down some of my feelings um that i was going through and i can see by looking at it how far i've come from that initial blow to where I am today. And I'm very grateful. Everything that I've been through, I'm very grateful that I have.
2: Now, Faye, there's a lot of people that have been in different, uh, if you want to say, cults, organizations for, you know, many years. And then they get out, particularly in the Jehovah Witness, because when you get out, the ones that stay in are supposed to have nothing to do with you. Right. You know, that's different than you know, other religions like Catholics or Baptists or, you know, maybe Hindus. You know, you could be in that for a long time and then you get out but you still you still communicate and interact with the people that are still in. Whereas Jehovah mm-hmm. Witness so talk a little bit about from that point in January of two thousand fifteen when you realized that you had to get out for your own health and sanity, and well-being, and you knew that when you got out that your children and and everybody you thought were friends, everybody in that religion would probably, and are required to just Mm -hmm. have nothing to do with you. So let's start at that point on your healing journey over the past six years and just kind of talk about how you dealt with it, what your experience was, and, and how you Really, from what I saw, within probably less than two years, you were you were pretty at a pretty healthy position with it, as opposed to a lot of people that have been out for ten, twenty years, and still have lots of issues. So, talk about your experience with what you did, how you felt, and how you dealt with it.
1: Okay. Well, uh, one of the biggest tools that you shared with me was um, what you called the work by Byron Katie and it's the acceptance of reality so I think that was one of the biggest keys for my uh, health is that I simply had to accept reality and I mean you can you don't give up hope or whatever and there's always a A point where things could change but at the moment you have to look with from within and say i can choose my attitude i can choose how i'm gonna you know put one foot ahead of the other every day i can choose that and it's not external things that create the peace that you have it's it's what's inside so I think that was the biggest thing, is recognizing and implementing the fact that you have to look within and you have to have the peace within you. It's not an external thing that creates that in your world. So, I mean, that's that was the beginning of it. And there was other tools that I used. But that's the biggest thing, is that it's, it's up to us. It's nobody else can, can give us... Love, peace, and joy—it's everything. Has is within.
2: So, how did your how did you tell your kids that you were getting out, and how did they react? And you know, how did that affect you for the next few months?
1: Well, i I just told them, you know that that I just didn't believe it anymore. And I remember my my youngest son said. He said, well, please tell the congregation so that we can have closure. That's, what he, that's the expression he used. And in other words, you know, tell the congregation so that they can disfellowship you and then we can just pretend you're dead. And that's basically what they do. They put me in a little compartment in their brain and they, they view me as no longer existing. And I don't think that any human can can do that very well. And so um, unless they have extraordinary <laughs> uh, coldness in their being, but anyway, so I wrote them a long letter outlining the things that that I had discovered about the religion. Chances are they didn't even read it because they're not even supposed to do that. There's not supposed to be any critical thinking like a cult does. They oppose critical thinking. If it's not from their website, from their books, from their uh, avenue of of knowledge being dispensed, you don't go there. That's how they, they view things. Everything else is demonic or... Uh, You know, the devil is in control of everything else outside this little circle, this little bubble. So you talk about
2: you talk about these blogs that you wrote. Uh, Talk a little bit about that. Why were you writing the blogs and what effect did they have on your healing?
1: Yeah, it it was just a, a commitment to to do it every week. And I guess it just at that time would show where i was how i was feeling writing things down is very therapeutic so by writing it i kind of saw things clearly i had to think about it in my mind i had to be able to write it down and then to reread it it kind of clarifies things a lot and it moves you even on to a different viewpoint. And, you know, some of the things I thought about when I first started blogging is totally not the same as when I quit blogging a couple years later. So that's how how diverse my my viewpoint became. Because as I added new information into my... And I read everything. I read all kinds of different books about different religions and different experiences and so whatever resonates with you then you take that little bit from it and you add it to your own uh, belief system and so that that changes everything in you you know your beliefs uh, mold how you view the world how you behave how you interact with other people so it, it changes everything in you. And so that's why I, I did the blogs. I, I thought I, I would be able to see how where I was, how I've changed and where I'm where I'm heading.
2: And as I as I recollect you were uh, putting these blogs on, on Facebook <clears throat> and you were involved in different uh groups with XJWs and as I recollect you got quite a bit of of uh, feedback and interaction from the at least some of those blogs
1: yeah, and i I also did a, a daily gratitude, which really was impactful to me, because it was you know despite what's going on around you, there's so many things every day that you can be grateful for, and so that really had a, a positive effect on my healing on my attitude and it it had a positive effect on other people around me too because they they were looking at their life with an attitude of gratitude too and that really can change it 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 knocks out the negativity and it puts everything in a positive uh, perspective
2: yeah and and if you would so we've talked about a lot of different things but if you would See if you can summarize in, uh, you know, four or five minutes, if you could summarize some of the most important tools that you've used in your healing process. Because there's lots of people that, you know, get out of cults or get divorced or have have financial problems. They have, everybody has different problems in life that are different than they would like them to be. So can you mm-hmm. kind of summarize some of the key points and and tools that you've used in your healing journey? You, know, you mentioned the journaling, you mentioned accepting reality, you mentioned gratitude, but what, what are, sort of summarize a few of these things.
1: Okay. Well, you know, I think the most important thing too is is to try and be authentic with yourself and others. So, that was the biggest thing because there was so many things that I was kind of always hiding when I was a JW because I didn't quite, you know, believe some of the things. That They weren't 100% in my belief system. So being authentic, uh, accepting reality, the meditation helped a lot. It, it helped me to see a lot of things more clearly by getting ego out of out of the way um uh eft uh emotional freedom technique that that i used to get headaches all the time you know now i don't get headaches and if i do i tap and within minutes my headaches are gone so in so many ways these tools that at one time i would have thought were demonic or or bad because they you know they go against what God would do, which is totally untrue. Because healing is all uh, is a part of us. You know we're all uh, energy, and and these things make so much sense to me. And I always lean toward those kind of things from the beginning, anyway. So I always had a propensity toward truth, anyway. So it's. It's always searching for truth, and never thinking that you have all the answers. It's it's always looking and tolerating other people's viewpoints because you may one day be at that same viewpoint. So it's very embarrassing if you ridicule somebody and then at the at the end of the day you're believing the same way as them. So
2: yeah, it's amazing how often that happens.
1: It's true. It's true. So yeah, those tools that I mentioned, um, having someone like a coach, like you're my husband, but you're also very, um, very honest with me. And so you put things to me in a in a very straightforward manner, which makes me look at myself and say, Okay, is is that true? And um, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm lucky to have you. <laughs>
2: So, I uh any final comments or questions?
0: Well, the life of Faye is a perfect example of how one peels the layers in an yeah. effort to reach the core. True. Uh, and and the core, you know, in in and the connection that one has with with his or her core is is the first step to seek truth and knowing God.
1: Yeah.
0: So uh, before we talk about God, we talk about, you know, various religions, Uh, I personally believe, and this is my personal opinion, and this is what we learned from the story of Fay also, that even if you take that first step towards knowing the truth, seeking the truth or knowing the God, the most important is knowing one's own self. I think the journey starts from there. Yeah. And uh, Probably ends at that point also. <laughs> so, <clears throat> great, Faye. It was a great discussion. And thank you for sharing some, uh, you know, intricate part of your uh, life and your experiences. Uh, it was a great, uh, I'm sure it was a great discussion. Uh, and thank you, Dawn, again, for uh, being so honest again on this discussion. Uh, I feel uh, our listeners are going to go to get some benefit out of this discussion. Uh, I would want to uh, leave the closing uh, remark with you, Faye, any last words that you would want to, uh, you know, just say to our listeners.
1: Well, I agree with you. um, uh, AC, when you, when you talk about, you know, no matter what our journey has been, there's some good, there's much good that comes out of it. But at the same time, I would discourage people from getting involved in a, a cult and that when people oppose critical thinking they try and isolate you or penalize you for leaving a religion and they seek inappropriate loyalty to the leaders outside of what they deserve and dishonor family this is a cult and stay away from it it's a it's something that perhaps you don't need in your journey. And even though I had 40 years of it and I benefited from it, I, you know, that's that's just the way it is. I, I would warn people against becoming involved in a cult.
0: A big thank you to, Jay, a big thank you to Don and a bigger thank you to our listeners who have been listening to this podcast. Uh, we shall be back again with more uh, interesting discussions on life, on religions, on various influencing layers that we have on ourselves. To learn from them and to grow within. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks for listening to the Core Pillar Studio Podcast. Do subscribe and follow our channel for interesting monologues, conversation and
1: interviews to come.